0: Welcome to PR360, a weekly interview podcast dedicated to talking about the important topics within the public relations technology industry. Hosted by Brett Deister and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find out more information at globalresultspr.com. Welcome to another episode of PR360, and I'm your host, Brett Deister. And with me, we got Susie Irvicek Parker. And she's been a speaker and a media commentator, as well as she's been featured on CBC, CTV, Global News, The Globe, Mail, and so much more. And she is a great guest to actually have just to kind of speak on public relations, marketing trends, and the intersection of consumer behavior. So welcome to the show, Susie.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Brett.
0: All right. First question I ask everybody, is are you a coffee or tea drinker
1: coffee Mm -hmm. straight up black
0: yes it is the best way to go it is so do you have any favorite coffee brands or anything like that or you just go with starbucks or whatever else is over there
1: um well we have a couple of canadian brands that i really like and yeah i do like uh the starbucks is pretty good but we have some local roasters around here as well and they do a really great dark roast that's my favorite
0: Nice. And uh, what is your favorite social network right now?
1: Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I always say it's Twitter. Actually, I know not a lot of people like Twitter, but I love Twitter because it's such a great place to be when it comes to breaking news and things like that. And I've always said that Twitter is great for what you know, and Facebook is for who you know. So Twitter's a great place to be if you're looking to you know, share some expertise that you have. It's all about what you know and how you can share that in an open environment. Whereas on Facebook, you're kind of limited to your friend circle, right? Or how many people you're connected to. But Twitter, I find is so great, especially in this age where we're all looking for information that it's a great place to be during this uh, pandemic. And I think just in general.
0: Nice. So you just love to tweet is what I'm hearing.
1: I do. I do. And I saw my Twitter count roll past 100,000 tweets last month. It was a bit shocking. But hey, sometimes you have a lot to say, right?
0: Sometimes. Sometimes you have nothing to say. (laughs) It just really depends on the day, I guess. That's true. That's true. And so moving on, do you have any favorite social media tools that you like to use?
1: Well, we do have Hootsuite, which is based here in Vancouver, which I really like. And I've used that for a number of years. And outside of that, you know, there's so many tools now that we can use. I use Later, I use Buffer, I use Icona Square, all kinds of different tools just for tracking things, number one, and for reports. And then, of course, just for ease of posting to multiple platforms for multiple clients, things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've used Hootsuite, Buffer, and a few other lower or no- unknown name ones as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And the ones that have the apps, I find are the easiest now because it really means that you can kind of live off your phone and you can change things on the fly and really just kind of approve or move things around in the schedule, as is really important these days. If you might have had some scheduled tweets or some scheduled posts that you had when this pandemic broke out, you probably had to rejig that schedule. And that's a really good thing to have access to on your phone as well.
0: Yeah, I kind of wish that the podcasting sites would do the same thing, but they don't really have any apps to. Change things around. You still have to go to their website.
1: So interesting. Yeah. I'm assuming that we'll see integration with that soon enough. Hopefully. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I just think that the easier we make it to put out content to multiple platforms from one space is just a really smart thing for these apps and sites to do.
0: Mm -hmm. And what do you think the state of social media is right now?
1: It's interesting because I think that social media has a really interesting time to be in right now because. Before this pandemic, it was all about selling and pushing things out and driving content. And I find that during this pandemic, and as we see even post-pandemic, people have sort of changed how they're using social media. And I think a lot of people maybe have decreased their social media use just because it's a very stressful time right now for a lot of people. Some people might not be able to handle all of the news coming at them they've had to sort of throttle their social media usage, which I think is a good thing, especially when it comes to looking after your mental health and things like that. And I think also, too, it depends on what network you're really kind of focusing on, where in Facebook and Twitter, Instagram can be challenging, I think, for a lot of younger people, for example, who find themselves comparing their lives to people on Instagram, and as opposed to aspirational and selling uses for Instagram, it's a little bit different right now during this pandemic, for sure.
0: Interesting, cause- I was on LinkedIn and someone shared a tweet about someone saying, follow designers and photographers over influencers and Instagram models. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I don't blame them at all because I think that we're looking even now, as we've been talking with brands about their content strategies on Instagram, is that it's been able to provide some levity and some, something pretty and distracting to look at during this pandemic so people you know are scrolling through their feeds or whatever it might be and they might not necessarily be poised to buy per se but you're giving them a break from the everyday heaviness that is in the news and that is sort of you know if they're off work or they're not working right now because of the pandemic you're offering them some distraction and some levity to their day
0: Hmm. and do you think social networks were covering more of a niche instead of what facebook and instagram are doing right now because They're kind of covering everybody, but do you think the new ones will come out being more niche-specific?
1: Well, I think we're seeing that already with TikTok, really. I think that young people that are on TikTok are on there for very specific reasons, and the content that they're consuming and what they're putting out there is very different than what we've seen, for example, on Facebook or even Instagram lately. The closest thing I can compare it to would probably be Vine, if anybody remembers what that was, is sort of, again, that opportunity to connect with people visually to provide some comic relief, to maybe get some dance trends started and give people an outlet to release some fun and some tension on TikTok.
0: Mm, Yes, I do remember Vine. And actually there's a Vine, I guess, successor called Byte now that's out.
1: Oh, spell that for me. Is that with a Y?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's B-Y-T-E. Yeah.
1: Okay, great. I think I did hear about that. That's great.
0: Yeah. So it's coming back, but not from Twitter, because Twitter couldn't figure out how to use Vine very well.
1: Yes, yes. Well, the kids will figure it out for you, and then you have to kind of figure out where you're going to plug it in, for sure.
0: That's true. Once you make it, you think you're making it specifically for something, and then you make it, and it, all the young kids are like, no, it's supposed to be this way, and you're like, oh, okay.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, what excites you about the future of social media?
1: Well, I think we're going to be seeing some really interesting niches to come out of this, like you said, and a lot of micro-influencers to be coming out of, I don't want to say again, post-pandemic, but I think we saw a trend last year starting with some micro-influencers. And when I say micro-influencers, I mean people who are under 10,000 followers on any social network, especially Instagram. We've seen a lot of gaming of that Instagram algorithm and the Instagram follow-back tools and things like that. And people were trying to get to that 10K so that they could get the swipe up option and start, you know, pushing things and selling things to their audience, which, of course, we all want to do. But I think that we've also seen a bit of a backlash toward that in that we know that everybody has been gaming that system. So I think if anything out of this, people perhaps are going to be curating their lives a little bit differently. And when I say curating their lives, I mean both online and offline. So in terms of what they're paying attention to online and offline, they might be shrinking that down. They might not be able to handle the sheer volume of things that were coming at them before as we readjust to going back to work, going back to school, whatever that might mean. And again, taking care of that mental health. So you're going to be streamlining what it is that you're paying attention to and really focusing on the things that bring you joy or educate you or inform you or in some way, shape or form you find value in.
0: Hmm. Apparently I've been doing it wrong because I don't do the whole little follow for a follow thing.
1: No, no, I think you've been doing it right. I think that's the way that these networks were meant to organically grow. But I think that if you've lived in that influencer space or that content creator space, and especially when it comes to the giveaways and all those things, we've all seen the Instapods and the like for like pods that just move around, dump comments on a post, and then the next thing you have 10,000 followers, but there's no other content that follows that to, to compete with that, right? So there's a lot of, I think, follower fatigue that's out there as well. And a lot of skepticism, I think, that exists on these networks now that wasn't necessarily there before.
0: What you're saying about the future is that focus more on your content and then the people will come eventually?
1: Absolutely. I've been saying that for a couple of years is that I really do not like the term influencer anymore. To me, it's a dirty word. And I think that we really need to be looking at content creators. And interestingly enough, I think TikTok is an interesting platform in terms of what it offers for content creators because there is no barrier to entry on TikTok. You don't have to have a certain number of followers before you start getting views or anything like that. And these kids, the kids who are on TikTok are paying attention to the content that either brings them joy or challenges them to learn something, whether it's a dance or, you know, whatever. So it's interesting that way to see what the kids are looking at and what they're doing to build trends and how we as marketers and brands can build off that momentum.
0: Mm -hmm. So do you think we're actually entering in more of a community-based era?
1: I really do. And I think that's especially true for brands because for at least the last three years, I've told all the clients that I've worked with to not get bogged down in the numbers because the numbers aren't necessarily important. Back in, say, 2013, 14, you might have been actually advertising your Facebook page to get likes. Well, I would never advise anybody to do that now. What you have to do is put that whatever budget you have into content creation, into a storyboard in terms of how you're going to compel new customers or current customers who find your product in stores and stuff to suddenly find you on social and become engaged with you that way. The vanity metrics are over. And I think that what you're seeing now is an investment in content, in community, and then to conversion and how you're going to drive those sales.
0: Mm. So no more like a thons like in the old times of Facebook.
1: No, no, no. Those times are long gone. And it's not only it's not only that they're long gone. It's that you're spending money on the wrong thing. If you're looking at the numbers, again, those are vanity metrics. If you have two million followers on your Facebook page, but you only have two likes every time you get a post, something's wrong. So we need to look at that number and say, okay, how are we gonna turn this around and get more engagement on our page? And it doesn't matter whether it's Instagram or Facebook, I would say.
0: Mm -hmm. And what should the marketing person actually look at instead of the vanity ones you say, which ones should they actually really be focusing on?
1: What I really like to know is in any of the content that you're producing, when you have a link that clicks through to your website or to your podcast to download and listen or whatever it might be, what was that number? What kind of conversion rate did you actually get? On that link? And did it result in sales? Did it result in someone sharing that post? Did it result in contest entries? Whatever the call to action was, I want to make sure that that call to to action was well received and then followed through by your audience.
0: What tools should these marketers be using to actually build that community or figure out an ad that would actually help to build that community? What tools do you actually recommend for them?
1: I think that the tools It can change depending on whether you're a small business or whether you're a large enterprise, you know, um, you know, even with Salesforce, they have things like social studio now that you can use to track your metrics on your social media and build that into your email marketing plan and all of your funneling campaigns and your customer journeys, all of those things. Those are huge on an enterprise level. But when you're looking at SMEs and small businesses and things like that, they don't have those kinds of unlimited budgets or those even just the manpower or woman power to draw from to do those things. So it's really about learning what it is that your audience connects with and how you can create content and or products and services that meet that need that get them to click over and buy. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to tools, the tools may change, but the brand values have to stay the same.
0: Gotcha. So basically just focusing on content and then worry about the tools later or find the tool that best matches your needs.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And don't get bogged down on the perfect thing, right? Like perfect is the enemy of complete or done, right? So sometimes, you know, you have to learn as you go along. And I think in this time, actually during a pandemic, you should be ramping up your marketing. You should be talking to your customers about how you can still meet their needs, whether it's curbside pickup or delivery or subscription services, whatever it might be that you can do to help still connect that customer with your product or service is absolutely key right now. This is not a downtime. This is the time to ramp it up.
0: And do you think for influencer marketing, we're entering in a new golden era where we're actually being specific and niched in who our influencers are?
1: I think that this time period, especially now, so we're going to see marketing budgets that are smaller. And we're going to see, even for the rest of this fiscal year, budgets will be tightened, right? Because of revenues are down. So what we're going to see then is an interesting kind of reset of the influencer market. And I say influencer slash content creator. So before we had people who were buying things and putting themselves in debt to say that they had this brand new product from whatever to make themselves look like they were influencers, right? I think those types of influencers are going to go by the wayside because the industry was due for a reset anyway. So now that these budgets are smaller, it's going to be incumbent upon these sort of authentic and organic content creators to reach out to the brands and services that they already use and say, okay, here's what I already love about your product or service. My audience already knows that I have posted about this before with no prompting, no angle to sell. This is an organic thing that I actually love. How can we work together to help push this product or service into my audience who already loves you guys and what you do? That would be a really smart way for content creators to pivot themselves right now and to partner and to reach out with those brands and services that they love and support and start a relationship now if they haven't already.
0: Hmm. And do you think companies should actually put more investment in employee influencers, like influencers they could see from their employees that could actually utilize their own clout on social media?
1: So I think that those can definitely work, but I think that there has to be a bit of a balance between internal and external. And in this kind of day and age when people aren't at companies for necessarily a long time, that can be sort of a double-edged sword. Now, that being said, in times like right now where you do probably only have your internal team to work with, that's great. I do want to see what Leslie from Accounting is wearing this week. That's totally fine with me. But as we move on for the rest of the calendar year and stuff like that, you will definitely want to invest in an internal and external strategy as well.
0: Gotcha. So basically... Do almost like a split between what you're going to do inside and what you're going to do outside, is what I'm hearing.
1: Absolutely. Because I think right now people are wanting to hear from companies that are doing well by their employees, people that are still employed, still working, still can show off the great things about the brands and businesses that they work with. Those are all wonderful things. But I do think that there has to be a bit of a joint effort in terms of the internal and external influencer slash content creator for sure. Just for authenticity's piece and perspective.
0: And I know we touched about it a little bit, but how do you think influencer marketing or influencer relations should change?
1: I think there definitely has to be more give and take in terms of what that relationship looks like. Um, And this is more for the small to medium businesses that don't necessarily know what an influencer does or how it works. We've all heard the stories. I say we, but I mean me working in this field in influencer marketing and in content creation. People who just will pop into a business and say, I have 75,000 followers. I want to stay here at a hotel for the weekend. I want you guys to provide everything. And will you do it? And the proprietor is just like, well, I don't even know what any of this means. What does it get me? What are the terms that I should be looking for? How do I know that this is legit? All of those things can remain a mystery to a lot of business owners who simply don't understand. And it's not like they have to understand. They're busy running their business, but it's incumbent upon the industry itself to find a better way to manage those relationships. So again, this is where separating those influencers who were simply doing it for the gram versus the actual content creators who have a strategy and can actually work with businesses and brands to craft that better relationship moving forward. And making sure that it's a give and take, right? So if you're going to provide me with something, I'm going to tell my followers or audience that that was provided for me, and I'm going to provide them an authentic peek at what it means to. Work with your brand or service.
0: Mm -hmm. So, what I'm hearing is that influencers actually need to work on having a deck, a sales deck.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it also has to work in terms of testimonials so that business owners can check and vet these influencers for what they actually say is going to happen will happen. And that's just good business, really.
0: Nice. And what do you think brands miss when it comes to using social media?
1: That's a good question, and I think it was probably different before this pandemic, and I think the answer might have slightly changed just a little bit now, is that it's all about reading the room, right? When I go and do speaking engagements at local universities and post-secondary education, I'm always telling people in PR and communications, it's about reading the room and learning what the pain points are for your customers or your audience. What problems can you solve for them? Because it's not always me, me, me. It's actually about the customer. So what are you doing to solve their problems today? And if you can tell them that in a one social media post or in every single post that narrative is woven through, then you're doing it right. If it's just about you, 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 and buy my stuff, not the same thing at all. So if anything, I think it's incumbent upon businesses and brands to look at that customer base and that audience base and say, we know you're hurting right now. Here's how we can help, whatever that might be. And I'm challenging businesses and brands to figure out what that might look like in this pandemic time and post-pandemic, because when you are there for your customers and you bridge that relationship and show them that you're really there, and especially for the smaller businesses in your communities, in your hyper-local settings, that is a super important way that you can become instrumental during this time.
0: Hmm. And what do you think the post-pandemic social media strategy would look like from your opinion?
1: Well, I think we're going to see that not every business is going to survive. That's going to be a cold reality, I think. So, what does survive will be at the behest of its customers, right? Or its audience. So, again, that will I think will play out. I'm thinking like even 6 months to a year, we might have different different end scenarios in terms of who actually survives and who doesn't. So, that will be interesting as well. I think regardless of the timing, it's always about the customer. It's always about what you're doing to make your community better. And it's always about how your product or service solves those problems or those issues for your customers. So the more that brands get that and build that into what they're doing now, the better off they'll be.
0: All right. And for the content side of it, how do you think it's going to be more diverse in 2020? Do you think there's going to be more videos, live streaming and podcasting and not as much on the picture side? Or do you think there's going to be more animated posts? What do you think of the content is going to be for 2020 and beyond?
1: It's interesting because if you look at Instagram right now, a lot of it is still curated, but a lot of that flat lay, a lot of that color scheme has sort of had to go by the wayside because not everybody can get into a studio these days. So we've had to improvise and we've had to be a little bit more creative and let certain things go, which I think is great because that speaks to authenticity. And what I'm seeing too is I think a lot more video. I think we're going to see a lot more IGTV, Instagram Television, do a bit more work for people and especially with that longer format that you can do on there, which is great for makeup brands and fashion brands and anything where you want to explain to people what it is that you're doing. And even for do-it-yourselfers and home furnishings and things of like that. I love IGTV for that. When it comes to Facebook and even Twitter, I think, again, that just goes back to engaging with your fans, finding out what it is that you want from them. I'm seeing a lot of questions and answers going out to customers from brands these days, whether it's Facebook stories, Instagram stories. We're seeing a lot of that. And I think that those kind of things, you've done a lot of work to learn from your customers what it is that they like with these stories. So use that information that you've received from them and leverage it for future campaigns.
0: Mm. And let's say they had to do quick content editing or quick content creation on the fly. Do you recommend using any apps?
1: Yeah. Again, when you have people that are working from home or you have people that are doing things on the fly, you know, Adobe Studio is great for editing video. Again, even Instagram stories, I think can be very fresh and on the fly. But I think anything that can live on your phone and help you on the go is absolutely instrumental in this time, especially as more and more people will learn to work from home or learn to work remotely.
0: Mm. And how has consumer behavior changed in the last five years for social media content consuming and everything like that?
1: Well, I think what we're seeing, never mind five years in the last, you know, five months in terms of what we're seeing. We had a lot of time where people were used to For example, the Amazonification of everything, right? So getting everything to your door when you want it there, right? Well, now we've seen with this pandemic life that we're living, a lot of smaller businesses have had to pivot and change how they do things. So now they're using social. In many cases, they don't have a website that they can tell people to go to. They might only be living on Instagram or their Facebook page or even Pinterest, as it were, and telling people how they're going to now deliver curbside, or they're going to deliver to you, or they're going to ship to your home for free. So in terms of how consumer behavior has been changed, I think that a lot of people are going to be looking for more from their hyper-local businesses to be more flexible in terms of delivery and or curbside pickup. Now, what that means for the future, I'm not sure, because I think after the pandemic, we're going to see a lot of people who do want to get together, who will crave that social interaction. I know for me, what I would give to wander a store right now aimlessly. So I think we're going to see a lot of that return to bricks and mortar just because we have been craving it for so long. But that does mean that that desire to have things delivered when we want and how we want will go away either.
0: So it's going to be, hey, I want to go to a store, but I still want my stuff in two days.
1: Yeah. So I think that that in-store ordering piece or that curbside pickup piece will still be an important thing for people because they've realized now that it can be done and they can have it, I don't think they're going to want to take it away.
0: Gotcha. And is there ways for PR pros and marketers to follow trends easily and quickly and pivot on the fly? Is there some tools you would recommend for that? As far as the tools
1: go, I would say it's like keeping an eye on your competition, you know, and keeping an eye on what's happening in your sector in terms of any kinds of innovation and things like that. What are you seeing that is, either being a game changer or that hasn't really happened before and that customers are responding to and how can you even improve on that? When it comes to the tools, I think your website is your number one thing that you should be investing in. And a lot of that has to do with SEO and a lot of that has to do with putting content on there that is relevant and fresh. And I also think that then you can marry that into your social media ad strategy. So now what are you doing to draw people back to that website And whether it's making reservations or ordering product or whatever it might be, how are you going to complete that 360 experience online without them ever having set foot in your store?
0: Mm, That's always the thing that everybody wants to do. And then they figure out it's a lot of time to be put into that. Plus, you always have to monitor and switch with the SEO and everything like that.
1: That is true. That is true. But you know what? With Facebook Ad Manager... There's a lot of tools in there that are for free that you can be using for A-B testing and that you can be using to track back to your website as far as your pixel is concerned and tracking that information and seeing what's resonating with your customers. So use that information for sure.
0: Mm. Great insight. But what is the future of PR?
1: I think we've seen in this time, especially how important communications is, not just your customers, but your employees as well and setting expectations in terms of what you are able to deliver and what you will be able to deliver on in the future, and not leaving room for ambiguity. So when it comes to communications and PR moving forward, again, this goes back to how are you problem solving for your customers and your audience? And how are you telling them about these problems that you're solving for them that they might not even anticipate that they have? So when it comes to, I see great PR stories that are happening with local areas, organizing PPE drives for their local hospitals, all of those things. And then businesses getting involved as well. Those are all excellent PR initiatives and excellent ways of all of us pulling together. So when it comes to communication strategies, I would say it's always about pulling together. How can you show that you're pulling together? And if you're managing a crisis, in a crisis, even then, it's about the help that you can bring and the transparency you can bring to what it is that you're telling your audience about.
0: Mm-hmm. And fun question for you. If you could build a tool for social media, what would it be?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. You know, one of the things that I really wish a lot more of the tools that we did have have was if you could marry a couple of the different scheduling tools and analytics tools that we all have. And of course, my favorite part of that would be a drag and drop Everything should be drag and drop. (laughs) In this day and age, we're using our phones, especially more and more touch screens and making things simpler. Drag and drop, everything should be the way to go.
0: Mm. So you almost want like an RSS feed for analytics and tools, but you also want it to be drag and drop at the same time.
1: Yeah, for content scheduling, right? Like imagine if you could have all of that together.
0: That would be amazing.
1: That would be my dream tool. Yes. There you go.
0: All right. Any final thoughts for our listeners?
1: You know what? I just want everyone to stay safe and just be safe.
0: All right. You heard it from our guests, stay safe and be safe. And that's always a great advice for everybody. But thank you, Susie, for joining us on PR 360.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Brett. It was a pleasure.
0: And that is the end of the show. But you can subscribe to PR 360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, and more. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys. And once again, stay safe and see you next week. Later, guys.